Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Delta X podcast with Ellen Shu. These are conversations with changemakers, innovators, and self-starters who have made their mark on the world at a young age. Breaking down the journeys of those who are changing the status quo and building the future today. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Delta X Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Shu, and today I have with me Tyler Menezes. He's the executive director of CoDay, which is a nonprofit providing opportunities for underserved students to explore a future in tech. They actually just wrapped up their first in-person event after COVID and all that, so it's a really exciting time to have him on, and I'll let him talk more about uh, what CoDay is and uh, these types of events that he's been working on. Yeah, th- thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it, like you said, I, I think Code Day for, for us is, our motto is there's a place in tech for everyone. And we're just trying to help everyone find out whether or not technology is for them, e- even if it's not a career they want to go into, uh, you know, whether or not maybe there's some way that their desired career um, could, could use technology. So that's that's what we're about. I saw that you got into technology when you're pretty young as well. So how was your like personal uh, moment getting into tech and realizing that there was a place for you as well? Yeah, for for me, I I got into tech pretty randomly. Um, I was, you know, I, I was living in uh, Spokane, Washington. I, this is when I was in elementary school. I, I went to East Farms Elementary School, so definitely not the center center point of technology. Um, and we had like super old computers and and everything else. And so I, I absolutely did not think that this was anything that I was interested. In. I I had no idea what I was interested. In. To be honest, at that point, I I think it was for you know for someone who's like five or 10 or something, I, I was probably pretty depressed. Like I didn't even, I, you know, I, I couldn't even get the motivation to go to school a lot of days. Um, and one day I was just in a library with my family and I saw this book uh, that had a picture of a slot machine on the front of it. And I didn't know what a slot machine was, but it looked really cool. And the book was, you know, about how to make that. And I just thought this is the coolest thing. Like, oh, wow, I can, I can make that. Um, and so I got my, my parents to check out the book and I, um, you know, I, I followed the sort of tutorial. I don't remember how long it took me, probably a long time, but I ended up making, you know, this slot machine. And that was kind of the first completely random instance that just, you know, got me hooked on technology. And so a lot of what I, you know, a lot of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now is to try to help other people have that moment of realizing how creative it can be without having to just randomly luck into finding the right book at a library. (laughs) Yeah, out of all the books, one on the slot machine. Um, Yeah, I think that's really great though, how, you know, trying to get that moment for more people because without that, you know, there's, would it be a lot less people in tech? Um, But yeah, so tell me more about like what led you towards your current work at Code Day, what uh, really brought you towards um, becoming executive director? Yeah. Um, so I had been volunteering for Code Day for a really long time, um, basically since the beginning. It was originally something that uh, a friend of mine started in high school. Yeah, I, He wasn't actually even a friend of mine. He was like a friend of a friend of a friend. And somehow uh, when he was coming up with the idea of, of this uh, nonprofit, like somehow that series of connections was like, oh, you need to, to talk to Tyler. So he added me on AOL Instant Messenger, which is what everyone used back in the day. Never heard and, of that. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, 
And he uh, sent me a message and was like, Hey, I'm starting up this nonprofit out of my basement. Like, you know, do you, do you want to help out? And so I, I've been kind of a volunteer for a really long time. Um, I dropped out of university um, to go start a tech startup while I was still volunteering for this nonprofit. And, you know, again, it was still just kind of a small thing. No one was doing it very seriously. Um, that didn't work out for a variety of reasons, but when I ended up moving back to, to Seattle, um, Edward, the, the person who had originally come up with the idea and who I'd known for so many years was like, Hey, I'm thinking of dropping out of university to work on this code day thing full time. Um, do you want to, you know, do you want to join me? And I think it, it took, it took me like maybe two, three months to come around, but, um, you know, I, I joined then and then, uh, we grew up pretty rapidly and, and he ended up leaving, I think about a year later. Um, and I've been running things ever since. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, you know, um, like, I guess, dropping out of college and all of that, I know you have a pretty interesting story with traditional education. Um, so what was like your approach, I guess, to education um, and how you approached it in your own life and as well as teaching others? Yeah, I, th I think for me, um, it's interesting because I, I always hated uh, learning things in school, like even, mm -hmm. even computer stuff, I really did not like it very much. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was just something that was always kind of a, ba a backseat to me. Like I, I went to college because that was kind of what was expected of me. Um, I was actually, uh, the first one in my entire extended family to go to uh, college. Um, my sister's the first one who actually got a degree, but, um, my mom uh, didn't even finish high school and my dad didn't have a college degree. So they, they were very much pushing me toward college. Um, but it was just not ever really something that I felt, you know, super strongly motivated by. It was for me, the thing that I always wanted to do was just build cool things. And I felt like the knowledge that I was gaining in school was kind of tangential to the knowledge that I needed to actually just build cool things. And so I ended up going, uh, you know, again, talking about just kind of random luck and, and lucking into finding things that uh, bring me great joy in my life. Um, I ended up just randomly one day going to an event called Startup Weekend, um, which was, as it implies, kind of like a, a weekend focused on building a startup. And um, I ended up really enjoying the entrepreneurship thing. Um, some friends and I kept working on some ideas. We ended up building this, um, this app that started to take off. And I dropped out of university with, with a few other ones and moved down to Silicon Valley and and started a tech startup. Um, and that was the first time for me where I really felt like, you know, this is actually what I want to do. Like this is, you know, now I feel very driven to achieve this thing where, you know, where I, I never felt that way about school. Um, but it's really interesting because now that I've been out of school for so long, um, all the time I'm thinking, man, I wish I had more time to learn about like this completely unrelated thing that I used to hate in school. Like I have a bunch okay. of like biology lab equipment on, you know, in my, in my background, because I've been learning about like biotech stuff, which was one of my least favorite classes in high school. So now that I'm not forced to learn it, I think uh, I have a lot more um, respect for wanting to learn things that I, I used to hate. On the topic of motivation, I saw your work in education was described as focused on educational motivation, which is like bringing out the creativity, not really brought out uh, sometimes in school settings. So can you explain a little bit more about this problem and why it's so important? Yeah, I think people in the education industry have for, you know, for hundreds of years figured out every, like pretty much everything there is to know about how to teach well. Um, that's not to say that there's not things that we could be improved, you know, as we've 
game technology and stuff like that, there, there's still a ways to go, but like, you know, you can imagine we're probably 90% of the way there to like perfection in terms of how we teach things, what, you know, writing classes, writing workshops, that sort of thing. Mm. But very few people have focused on, um, how to actually get students motivated to want to learn things. And from my experience personally, and from a lot of the students I've worked with, like when people are motivated to, you know, to, to learn something, when they really want to learn it, that they, they just absorb the information a lot more. And it, it doesn't even matter if you have someone who's teaching it well, because if not, they'll go out and, you know, they'll do the research themselves. Um, and so for, for Code Day, you know, that was, we kind of, stumbled into, into this field um, because we were just trying to get people to go to our event. Um, but you know, the very first code day, we ended up doing a lot of marketing to people who are kind of more creative artsy folks. And we realized that by bringing them to the event, they actually you know, became very motivated to learn more about technology because they realized they could do really cool creative art stuff with technology. Um, and so that, that's kind of where we've taken it is just said, okay, well, we're, you know, schools are amazing at um, teaching. Uh, generally, I mean, pretty amazing at teaching, right? Like they, they have all of the research behind that, um, but they're not necessarily the best in the world at getting students excited to learn something. And so for Code Day, what we've always really tried to do is to just ignore the formal stuff. I mean, we only have one official workshop that we teach and it's just kind of the basics to get beginners up to speed. Um, but everything else is all about, you know, enabling individuals to pursue their own creativity and, um, and take things where they want to take them. And our end goal, you know, for a class, usually people are saying by the end of this lesson, students will be able to, you know, X, Y, Z. For us, we're just saying by the end of code day, we just want the students to be, you know, to, to continue to learn. Uh, we don't necessarily care what they've taken out of it. As long as they continue to learn, um, that's, that's what matters. And I think it's really interesting. I, I um, I, I still don't know a ton of people doing work in this space. Um, there's some research, but I don't know a lot of schools or anything that have adopted this mentality of like, you know, we really need to, to help motivate the students rather than trying to convey specific lessons. But I, I think there's a lot to be gained there. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Like, I'm currently in a school like AP Computer Science class. And even though it is a lot more project based nowadays, um, which is really great, it's still like focused on, oh, how are these meeting like the college board topics or like what are these certain mile like milestones or like quantitative things that students can gain out of it more so than just like wanting to continue it outside of class. No, I, I, uh, I used to teach um, a, a class at a high school um, that we we called the class uh, Projects in Computer Science. And the idea was for people who take an AP, they could just do any project that they wanted um, for a year. Oh, and wow. they would they would have to pitch it. And, you know, there'd be some assignments that they'd have to, to finish because it's still school and we still have to evaluate them on something. Uh -huh. But it was amazing to see that by the end of the year, we had a few mentors uh, that would come in um, in the, in the morning, just like a first grade class. So we, we had entirely industry folk and, um, we had mentors who'd come in and by the end of the year, the students who are high school students would be more of an expert in some small niche part of whatever they were working on than any of us who'd been working in the industry for, you know, for however many years. So it was, uh, really, really cool to see what students can do when you give them a little bit more of a project focus. That's amazing. Yeah. I, that sounds like a really cool class and I wish more people had that option at high schools as well. Um, but when you're focusing on, I guess, like when Code Day is focusing on, like bringing out this creativity in students, uh, what have you found through like your years working in Code Day is like one of the best like formats or how, what's the best way to like stimulate this creativity within uh, these types of coding events? 
Yeah, I think that there's a, a it, like it, the there's a lot that goes into it, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of small things that you wouldn't necessarily think of. the The biggest difficulty for us is actually getting students to feel comfortable expressing uh, their their own creativity. Um, mm-hmm. Even artistic students, I think people are very afraid to say this is what I want to make um, because they think their idea is not good enough or just so many years of being in school and being told like you study this thing and then you know how to do it and then you take the test and you prove you know how to do it Mm. really makes it difficult for us to have students come into this venue and say here's an idea that I want to make I don't know how to do it so the, the most difficult parts of it for us are actually kind of reversing that programming from school a little bit and, and making them feel comfortable to express their ideas and to, to brainstorm and to be creative. Um, and we just do a lot of like icebreakers and silly activities and like kind of fun things just to keep their mind off of it so that they feel as much as possible that it's not like a school and, and start to feel a little bit more like we're just some friends that they want to hang out with and, and do cool stuff. Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, the format of the event is very much like, we try to make them comfortable. They pitch some ideas for things they want to make. And then we, you know, our volunteers and our mentors just help them take their ideas to, to fruition. Um, and then the other difficult part, again, is because people are so used to being evaluated from tests, people at the end of it will think, oh, well, I didn't quite achieve everything I had set out to. So my game is a failure and I need to, you know, go home and, and cry. And, Uh, you know, like, so the other thing is like, we have to really do a lot to really show the students that like, no, like, you know, you don't have to achieve exactly what you set out to. You don't have to be perfect, you know, in, in the industry, like, you know, no one is ever, no one ever even knows what they're doing, you know, half the time and figuring it out and getting to where you can is, is all that really matters. Um, And so getting them to present their work at the end is actually a, a kind of a hassle sometimes too, but um we've actually been working on some research with the University of Washington showing that like actually having students present what they made at the end, even, even though they didn't think it was good enough, actually really starts to reinforce to them, oh, like I can do this and this is good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like even some of the things they're doing is not just preparing students for like getting into tech or like getting them exposed to tech, but also like just their future careers as well, because there's a lot of things about like the mindset that you get during school that doesn't necessarily like transfer perfectly into the real world. But by by showing these ideas and by like telling people that their ideas um, and their projects do have like meaning and matter to people, I think that really prepares them also for like even just pursuing any career, even if it's not in computer science. Yeah, it's really interesting too. We've talked to some of the mentors for Code Day. Um, I, I think we have, uh, we've had about 800 mentors in total somewhere around there. And I've talked to a lot of them. And one of the big bits of feedback that I get from them when they're talking about new college graduates who are fresh into the workforce, um, you know, this is for, for pure like CS related careers. Um, it's just that the, they're really afraid to, um, to, to try to figure things out on their own and they are not really, um, they're not really capable of working on their own. They really need a lot more guidance, um, not because they're not smart enough or they don't know what to do, but because they're just kind of afraid. Um, and so it's, um, it's interesting, like that's actually one of the biggest skills. Some of the mentors have said, like the only skills I want are someone, you know, really who's able to, uh, kind of take their own direction and do their own research and then ask questions when needed and, and take feedback. And like, they don't actually care about any of the skills that they formally teach in school. Those are the skills that a lot of the mentors actually want. 
so yeah, I guess like even more so than the technical skills, just being like unafraid to share ideas. Yeah, unafraid to share ideas, unafraid to to go out and to pursue something, not waiting for permission. Um, you know, if you're waiting for for someone to tell you step by step what to do, which is what you often get in school, right? You get a, you get an assignment and they say step by step what you're going to do. Your rough draft is due at this date. Um, that's that's great, but you know, people are capable of so much more, and we've seen that with a lot of our students once they realize that they don't have to wait for that permission. They're capable of so much. Um, and it's just getting them out of that mindset that, that the school has kind of worked them into of, oh, well, I need to, you know, wait until I've officially learned this thing. Like I need to take notes on these method signatures or what, whatever it is that, that people are doing and, and just getting them into the mindset of, okay, like I just need to get started on this and, and just try something. Though, so, like the best way to learn is to like, just build. And I guess for someone who's listening to this and who's like, oh, like wanting to gain these types of qualities and skills. Um, besides joining Code Day and one of the Code Day events, which I definitely encourage all listeners to try out, um, how would you say is like the best way to actually develop these qualities? Is it like building outside of school, working on side projects, uh, taking an internship? Uh, like for you, what's the best way or like from seeing all these students come to Code Day events, what is the best way to start and develop these skills? I, I think that the skills that are the most important, which is that, those, that ability to, you know, to do your own research, to find your own path forward. Um, I don't think that that's particularly easy to get in school. Um, school gives you knowledge to know maybe what direction to take something. You know, if you take a, an AP computer science class or like a uh, data structures and algorithms class in college, you get an overview of what the algorithms are, but it's not necessarily going to give you the step-by-step -step of how to solve a problem that needs an algorithm. Um, so I, I think that there's some value to learning those facts, but to really get those skills to forge your own path, I think a lot of it has to come from doing things on your own. Uh, internships are great if you can get one. Um, I, it depends on where you are and it depends on, on your age and what companies you're reaching out to and a bunch of other things, but those are great if you can get one. Um, otherwise, I really strongly recommend to a lot of students that you just, you know, you pick your own, you pick a project that you want to do and you just get started trying to figure out how to do it. And it can be really frightening to, to, to pick a project and realize you have absolutely no idea where what even the first thing you should do is. Um, and so finding a community um, like Code Day or um, Hack Club is another great uh, nonprofit that was actually started by a Code Day alum. Um, and there's a few others, uh, but finding a community of people who can maybe give you some pointers uh, just on where to get started, but you know, not, not taking it so far as to be step-by-step, -step, just like, you know, here's a general direction to, to get started with. Um, I, I think making that first step is often the most difficult part. And I've, I've seen people try to avoid doing it a ton. I, I, we had a student once in, in um, a community that I was a part of who like the first thing that they wanted to do was learn to type faster because they figured, you know, that was an important thing so that they could write their code faster. And it's like, you know, the most important thing is actually just, just get started on the code somehow. And if you don't know how, find someone who can give you a pointer. And once you have taken that first step on your own project, I think it's way, way easier to just continue from there. Um, it, it comes very naturally to a lot of people. Yeah, so I guess like taking that first step and I see a code as well, like kind of bringing down that activation energy to get started because a lot of times it's like thinking you're not good enough or like thinking it's too hard or you're not ready, you're not old enough, you don't have enough preparation in school or anything like that um, to get started. But yeah, I guess the most important lesson is just if you get started and you end up like liking it, that first step is actually the hardest. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And it, Code Day is not about 
you know, we don't give anyone any new skills, really. All we do is we give them the permission to, you know, to go out and try something that they wouldn't otherwise have tried. And I don't think that's unique to coding, right? I mean, I'm sure it was the same for starting this podcast. Like the most difficult part is probably recording the first episode. And then from there, it's just incremental, you know, progress. There's a lot of misconceptions as well as like what a future in tech could look like. Uh, like a lot of people, they envision someone just like typing away all day at like their computer or just um, some more like traditional jobs. Um, but for you, what is what are like the possibilities of what a future in tech or like a career in tech could look like? I, I think that for me personally, I, I have never enjoyed that part of like sitting at your computer and, and typing on the screen. That's the least exciting part of it. There are some people for whom the actual computer science part of it is very exciting on its own and they just like writing the code. But I think for a lot of us, it's about the ability to do something creative um, and to do, uh, you know, to bring a new idea that you have in your head out into the world. You know, if you wanna be a painter, you need paints. If you wanna be like a carpenter, you need wood and tools. But like for computers, you just need your computer. And that, that's very liberating to be able to bring that out. So. I, I always like to focus on, you know, what does a career in tech look like? It's like, what are the things that you enjoy and how can technology help you do something creative in that area? N nowadays, as technology has become more and more, you know, powerful and, and part of our lives in every way, you know, if you are just, just an artist, right? Like you consider yourself purely an artist. There are so many cool interactive art things that I've seen online um, that are empowered by technology. And so if, if that's what you like, your career in tech could look like using computers to do some sort of really amazing interactive art. You know, if you are a, um, uh, like I said, like a carpenter, right? Like your career in technology could look like using uh, computer tools to actually, you know, do some sort of really cool generative, um, you know, building of like furniture or something like that, which is something you can absolutely do. My um, fiance and I actually built all of our own furniture in our apartment. Um, you know, using our very basic woodworking skills, but our somewhat more, you know, good um, computer skills. I, I, I think that like, there's so many ideas out there. There's so many things that we haven't even thought of that we could use technology for um, that no matter what you're interested in, there's some way in which you can use computers to just do what you're interested in, but more powerfully and, and more interestingly and, and bring new amazing things out into the world. Um, a good example of this actually I can think of is like I had some friends who are really into transit and like public transit and, and they just really cared about like public transportation. And um, they started a startup built around public transportation planning and like helping cities decide what bus routes are, you know, to add where people are going and, and like how to better optimize the public transit routes to get people there faster. You know, that's the sort of thing that like it's not about writing the code. It's about getting people, you know, helping people navigate their city more effectively. And that's the sort of amazing things that, that I think you can do with computer science and, and seeing those things come to life is just so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I saw that you also worked on a lot of like open source projects and I know like from your background, I can tell that you're always like building and tinkering with tech too. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some like projects that you've built too, that you've found that like you've been able to apply some, some sort of tech to? My favorite project that we have ever done, this is with some friends and I, um, was a, um, uh, like we took a vending machine from the 1980s and we just ripped out all of the old 1980s technology and made it like an RFID controlled vending machine. 
um, that, uh, we had like a touch, we had a windows phone that we got a bunch of free windows phones, um, because they're not really, (laughs) I don't think they even exist anymore. (laughs) And, uh, so we had like figured out how to program the windows phone to add it as a touchscreen because it was free. Um, that, that was one of my favorite things. Um, we built a, uh, Twitter controlled door lock once too, where you could tweet at a door and it would open. That was pretty fun. Um, we built the world's first robotically controlled pipe organ and the world's first, uh, PVC pipe organ, which is a bad idea. It turns out PVC pipes are not very easy to keep in tune, but, um, (laughs) but the world's first robotically controlled pipe organ at the time, this is like 10 years ago. Um, those are some of my favorite projects that I think I've done. Um, but I don't know, there's lots of small things just every day that, that are useful, you know, automating how my, how things work in my apartment or things like that. Yeah. I have to ask too, how do you come up with these ideas? Like the PVC pipe organ? I've never heard of that one before. Yeah, that was, um, I don't know. I mean, part of it, I think is just hanging around with other people. And Mm -hmm. if you, if you hang around with other people who are also very creative for long enough, I think you just start to come up with these crazy ideas. (laughs) Um, we had, uh, some, some friends, this was like way back in the early days of code day at the time we were called student R and D. Like we had some people who built like a plasma speaker, which is kind of like, um, you know, lightning produces thunder, but if you just have a lot of lightning really fast, you can use the thunder to produce music. Um, and like we, we built and sold a bunch of those. And I think like, uh, some bands tweeted about it and it was like, I don't know, there's just like so many weird things that all just came out of, you know, that, that came out from like, we were just sitting around talking about like cool things you could do with technology. And we were like, Oh, well, what if we just, you know, what if we just had, instead of thunder, we just turned it into music and it was like, okay, like actually we could do that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it, just hanging around with cool people, I think, is is a good way to come up with a lot of these ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's super amazing. And I think a lot of these also sound like just things that you do out of wanting to have some fun and not really anything like serious, like you mentioned, like for a school like project or doing something completely like, I guess, novel or like very typical, like something that might be like useful in the world, like a productivity tool or something like that. I think sometimes those ideas of just having fun are some of the best ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, you know, a good place to, to find people like that to come up with these just fun ideas with is, you know, again, online communities like Code Day or, or Hack Club. Um, there's also most cities have a place called like a makerspace or a hackerspace, which is actually what Code Day originally started out trying to do was be a hackerspace for students. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, those are just cool places where you can kind of go and hang out. They have usually a bunch of interesting tools, but also focus on programming as well. And just cool people show up there and have interesting ideas. And um, th- those are really great places to go hang out as well. Mm-hmm. And for someone listening to this podcast, and maybe they didn't get into computer science yet, maybe they're thinking of taking the first step, uh, would you say that like everyone should at least try to learn how to code? Or is there some people for which you would say um, like coding might not be for them or is coding for like everyone, in your opinion? I, I think that it's increasingly becoming for everyone. Um, but does everyone need to be an expert computer scientist? No, I don't really, I don't think that that's necessary. You know, I think that there's a lot of different ways that are very valuable to exist and make positive change in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that computers can, for many people, help them do something that they would not otherwise be able to do. Um, it really helps you do you know, bring your ideas to life a lot more easily and a lot more powerfully. And I I think that 
a lot of people just have a lot of misconceptions about what it's like to be a computer scientist. Um, again, I, most of the people that I know do not like computer science because they like sitting at a, at a computer and typing code. For many of us, that's actually not the enjoyable part of the job. It's seeing your ideas come to life. And I think that um, it's become easier and easier to become a programmer as well. And so for people who think maybe that computer science is not for them, I wouldn't necessarily say that they have to learn or that they, you know, they're, they're going to be a failure if they don't learn to code. I would just say like, honestly, give it, give it an honest shot, you know, get, give it a try. Maybe don't take the class in your school. If you're really not, you know, convinced because maybe the class in your school is going to be a little bit more boring, you know, just come up with some project that you want to, you want to try to make and, and find someone who can help you take that first step. And that's going to be a lot more honest introduction into the creativity and the fun of programming. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth a try, especially since, like you mentioned, uh, we're using technology so much nowadays that we're basically having to learn it anyways, like how to use Zoom, how to do all these things. Um, And yeah, so I have one final question I want to ask you, and this is a little bit more looking towards the future and, you know, uh, what the next like 20 or 50 years might look like. Um, But what do you envision like the future of technology or even like technology education uh, is going to look like? So in the future, will people still be, you know, taking well, will there be computer science classes in every school? Um, what are the ways like computer science itself are going to change? Uh, but yeah. I think that in terms of education, it's very likely that computer science is going to be, you know, kind of like a math class or something else in school. I think everyone's going to have to take it. Some people really like it. Some people won't like it. Um, that's one of the things that kind of disappoints me about computer science education is like, I, on the one hand, I'm glad that it's becoming more mainstream. On the other hand, I can imagine myself being in high school and being like, I don't want to take this class. Um, so I think that's, that's, you know, that's got, that's got some, some positives and negatives. Um, one of the really big advantages I think of, uh, as computer science becomes more and more prevalent and, and schools and districts and states and countries are starting to require every student to learn the basics is I think we're going to start to get a lot more diverse set of ideas. Um, right now, a lot of the progress in technology is made by people who live in Silicon Valley. Um, and that's cool. Like I've been there. It's a very cool place, but you know, I mean, it's, it's a very expensive place to live. And so the people who are involved in the startup industry tend to be people who are kind of upper middle-class backgrounds, you know, mostly white men. And, uh, for me, as someone who works with a lot of lower income students, there are a lot of problems that they have that could be solved with better technology that is not out there. And a lot of the apps aren't being made for people like them. Um, same is true for a lot of developing countries. There's, um, I've, I've talked with some uh, startup founders and, you know, like, uh, various sort of developing African countries and like public transportation is something that they were mostly focused on with their companies. So that's one of the things that I think is going to be most exciting about technology is actually not anything that maybe is going to directly affect me as much. Um, but things that are going to bring the technology breakthroughs that we've been focused on for the, you know, kind of middle class and higher bring those to people in like sub-Saharan Africa or, you know, places that just haven't traditionally had, um, you know, rural India or something like that, that, that haven't traditionally had access to, um, you know, the same level of technology innovation that we've been having um, for, you know, the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I read in your blog post too, that you mentioned like in seventh grade, when your teacher asked you what you wanted to work on, uh, you were like improving technology uh, like education. Um, and I think that's really amazing that that's exactly what you're working on now and trying to, you know, 
uh, bridge the gaps in technology, get more people into tech. And you're really like helping to create the next generation of these creative thinkers and people who are into tech. Yeah. Th th thanks so much. Um, I appreciate that. It, it's always, um, yeah, it's, it's always cool to see the people that come out of code day. I think that's the thing that motivates me the most to, to work on this is to see that like people have actually changed what they want to do with their life because of something like code day. And, um, that's what I, ever since I've been, been pretty little, like I've always wanted to be like a teacher or something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I think because I've always wanted to help other people feel and realize how cool something can be. Yeah, that's amazing. And even just one event can make such a big difference, like even change the tra trajectory of someone's like entire like future life. Um, but for listeners who are uh, interested in learning more about Code Day, where can they learn more about, you know, how they can join these types of events? Yeah, uh, codeday.org um, uh, is, you know, kind of our, our home base. Um, we have events, uh, sort of our, our titular events, Code Day, um, are focused for high school students, even some middle school students. Um, and you need to have literally zero experience. Like you can, you can be experienced if you want, but like, if you've never even touched a keyboard before, like we will help you make something cool. Um, and, uh, we also have some, uh, some programs for, uh, students who are a little bit more experienced. So codeday.org is a really great place to, uh, to go learn more about us. And again, I also encourage people to go check out some communities like Hack Club, um, find local makerspaces, um, local meetups. Um, even if you are in high school or again, even if you're in middle school, like people are really, really welcoming in the tech industry. And, um, you, you know, you generally, you're not, you're not going to find too many people who tell you, you know, you're not you're not old enough. You're not experienced enough. Like everyone is really willing to, to help you, you know, take the next steps. Yeah. I actually had uh, the founder of Hack Club, Zach on the podcast as well. So that's really oh, cool. cool. How he was actually like, did you say he's an alumni of Code Day? Yeah. I think Zach went to the very first uh, Code Day that we, I was still a volunteer at this time. Um, mm -hmm. The very first Code Day that we held in Los Angeles. Um, and I think it was only the third or fourth Code Day we'd ever had outside of Seattle and only like the sixth Code Day total. And now we're up to like 450. Um, and then he was also uh, helping as a volunteer to organize the LA events for like two years. Um, so yeah, very, very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, it's great to see how there's so many different communities and there's really like so many different ways that people can start to feel like they're a part of this community and get into tech. Um, but yeah, I'll link down below in the show notes, the link to Code Day and also social medias where you can find out more about how to join these types of events. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Tyler, for coming on. I think it's really great what you're doing. And I think it's really going to empower a lot more people to get into tech. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. And, and thanks for doing this podcast. I think it's a, it's a great idea. And I'm excited that something like this exists in the world. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I really enjoy having these conversations and also sharing your story. I think it's important for people to understand like the different uh, possibilities and you know the non-traditional paths that they can gain um, from these sorts of fields and these sorts of things and creative thinking they can do. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much all for all the listeners for listening and we'll see you guys in the next one.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Delta X Podcast with Ellen Shu. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.